0: So good to see you, and it's good for you to see me. I felt that in your non-response, but today we are uh, we're beginning a new series. First, I just want to say, uh, if you're keeping track, this is my first sport coat wear Sunday. And it might be my last. I told Kevin I'd make sure that was one Sunday. He wasn't the lone sport coat in the church, so I picked a cold Sunday. But it's good to see you guys today. We're starting a new sermon series called Becoming Like Jesus. This will be a theological series, Becoming Like Jesus. And what we're going to do for the next, right now I have it planned for six weeks, uh, to study the importance and the beauty and the means of sanctification. And our passage for today, if you want to go ahead and be there, is Romans 8, 29 through 30. Romans 8, 29 to 30. Becoming Like Jesus. Jesus, and let's start with what is either a sad story about a dog or a really sad story about a chicken. So, six years ago, my family, we got chickens for the first time. My girls named most of them, but I named one of them after one of my favorite people in the world named Michael Kelly. And uh, some of y'all know him because uh, he has preached here before. So, we had Michael Kelly, the chicken. And we had a bunch of other chickens. It was all wonderful, sweet, cute. Unfortunately, the chickens started to become dinner for the animals that lived in the woods around our house. So I was told to get a Pyrenees to protect my chickens. Get a Pyrenees. Pyrenees are natural farm dogs, people said. Pyrenees will guard them. They told us, Pyrenees, get a Pyrenees and and it will protect your chickens with its life. They said, no one told the Pyrenees. (laughs) So we got this dog for the purpose of protecting the chickens. That is why we bought him. But the dog wasn't on the same page we were on. So... Shortly thereafter we started noticing chickens going missing again. We thought how can this how are they sneaking by this big dog? Until one fateful afternoon I'm in the backyard and the Pyrenees walks by and in his mouth is Michael Kelly the chicken. <laughs> Michael Kelly half eaten in our chicken guard dog's mouth. And it was devastating. Because the dog and I weren't on the same page. We didn't have the same goals. We did not have the same understanding of our relationship. I got him to protect chickens. He thought he could eat chickens. And so there was conflict. There was discomfort. And here's the point in that. My former dog didn't understand my goals for them for him. And he actively lived contrary to those goals, right? We weren't on the, on the same page, and the relationship was frustrating. It was fruitless. We see this in all areas of life. You immediately resonate that this is true. Like, if, if, if your team at work is not all on the same page then about what you're pursuing, then you're going to end up arguing with one another. If parents are not on the same page about how they're raising their kids, there's going to be conflict in the home. And the same thing is undeniably true about the Christian life. God has a plan For his children, God has an absolute purpose for his people. And when we aren't on God's page, we will always be confused, conflicted. There are times in our life when we're like, these chickens are delicious. And God's like, that's not my plan for you. And what we get to see throughout this series is that God has a beautiful plan for us. He has a powerful intention for us, but we need to get on his page. Let's read God's page. Let's see the incredible purpose of God for us in Romans eight twenty nine through 30. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of Of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, God. And are we on, here's the question. Are we on the same page with our creator and rescuer as it relates to his purpose for our life? What an incredible question. Are we on the same page with God about what God wants to do in us? Because he's very clear. Those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. The word conformed there means fashioned like unto. So God has the stated intention of fashioning us like unto Jesus. But here's a more pointed way of saying that. God wants to change you. God wants to actively change you to be like him. And when we're on the same page with God, we see that as a wonderful, good thing. Because at the beginning of the Bible, remember? Genesis 1, verse 26. God said, let us make mankind in our image In our likeness, made in the likeness of God. The very next verse says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. So God made us in his perfect state back at the beginning to be like him, to be like him in goodness, to be like him in holiness, to be like him in love and joy, and on and on. But then in Genesis chapter three, most of you guys already know the story. We sinned against him, right? No thanks for your image, God. And we broke our relationship with God. And in so doing, we marred his image in us. So what Paul is saying in Romans 8 is that God's purpose for each one of his followers is is to restore us back to our default settings, to our factory settings. God's plan for his people is to change us back into his image. But sometimes we're more... Comfortable with God restoring his relationship with us than we are his restoring his image on us. Like, we tend to be more comfortable with him saving us than with him changing us. Even though, even though changing us means restoring to us what we've lost, like, the Christian life is that's beautiful. But it's understandable why we don't always love it. Right now, I'm leading an online Bible study on Wednesday evenings with eight men in Orange County, California, where I used to live. And just this past Wednesday night, we were talking about double-fisted faith, which is this concept from a Bible study we're walking through. Double-fisted faith means, on the one hand, as a follower of Jesus, I believe God can do anything that I ask him to do. Anything. And on the other hand, I believe that even when he doesn't do what I think he should do, that he is loving and he is good and he is worthy. We talked about this in our Esther series. I believe God is all-powerful and I believe God is good even when he doesn't use his power in a way that I think he should use his power. And we're talking about this as a group and one of the men in the group who's 63 and he would tell you he's a new believer, maybe not even, a new follower of Jesus. And he shared that he really struggles with that. He said, guys, I, I don't like this. Like, he was, it was awesome. It was awesome. He said, I can't understand the fact that God can do anything he wants to do to keep me from pain, but sometimes he would choose to not do it. And I got to encourage my brother. Wednesday night, I said, man... Understand that God isn't just trying to save you. God is trying to change you. God is trying to make you into something better. And sometimes that involves painful circumstances. Sometimes that involves obedience and trust when we don't love it. So first, let's understand that God is trying to change us into the image of Christ. Into the image of In which we were originally made. God wants us to make. God wants to make you good as you were good. He wants to make you holy as you were holy. He wants to make you loving as you were loving. And peaceful and joyful. God wants to make you whole. Christian. God wants to make you whole again. As we were originally intended to be. For those he foreknew. He also predestined to be conformed. To the image of Christ. And that truth is simultaneously. Simultaneously comforting and uncomfortable this week i read a quote from a theologian named paul david tripp in the devotion book that i've been reading i was like oh that's perfect for my sermon he says perhaps all good theology is meant to be both humbling and comforting at the same time god did not intend the theology of the bible to be an end in itself as if theological knowledge were the goal of grace No, every part of the Bible's teaching is designed to be a means to an end, and that end is a radically transformed life. Another way of saying this is God's theology is not God's way of informing you. It's God's way of transforming you. God's goal isn't to just rescue you. He wants to change you. So theology is comforting in that it tells us who God is, and when we learn who God is, we learn how amazing it is and how much he loves us so much that he died for us. We're going to get to there in a minute. But theology is also humbling because we learned that God wants us to be super different than we are. His stated goal is to change you to be like him. Are you on that page? Are you on the same page? Just a couple of days ago, my daughter Dewey found a cocoon outside of our house. I found a cocoon. We were all excited. And it's, I thought in that moment of God's stated plan for us. God does not want to leave us the same. Like, for sure, we are caterpillars that he has rescued from the fire. But he's not satisfied with that. And he doesn't want us to be satisfied with that either. He wants to metamorphose us into butterflies. And I did check that is the verb form of the word. God wants to metamorphose you. So to be on God's page, to be on God's page is to know, know that He wants to transform you into something else, into someone else. That's what we're going to learn, and what's what we're going to pursue together throughout this series. Let's read these verses a second time to see His plan. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. So this is the sequence of sanctification. Really beautiful. Sanctification simply means to be set apart, specifically to be set apart for Christlikeness. And in these verses we see... ...the entire uh, eternal timeline, so to speak, of sanctification. We see the plan God has to transform the people that he has made and loved. Those he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of God. So first he foreknew. So we're going to walk through the timeline. Foreknew. This is so amazing. This means that in eternity past, God knew them into the image of Christ... That means he knew that he would rescue you and change you before you'd even lost his image in the first place. Isn't that incredible? But what did he foreknow? In a sense, it could mean that God knew intellectually who would have faith. In another sense, watch, it could mean God knew relationally who he was going to love in his family. Now, I would say that I called Rob Timms. I was like, this is, this is the right way to say it. This is Rob Timms approved. <laughs> Rob, uh, Rob and I would say that all Christians believe these two things, even if we don't entirely understand it. Was God's foreknowledge a knowledge of faith? Was it a knowledge of his rescuing love? Yes! <laughs> Yes, it was. God knew before you were ever born that you would have faith in him because you would receive his love and he predestined you. He predetermined that you would be part of his family. Just prior to these verses in Romans 8, in verse 15 of Romans 8, it says, for you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received a spirit of adoption. By whom we cry out, Abba, Father. God says Christians are adopted into his family. He becomes our Abba, Father. He foreknew that you would be his child and predetermined that you would be adopted. And therefore, number three, he called. And this this is how we know that the foreknowledge of God is a relational foreknowledge in addition to an intellectual foreknowledge because the call is to be part of his family. What we're seeing here is that there is a difference between the call to come to Christ and the call to become like Christ. There's a general call to the entire world, right? Come to me. God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. But there is also a decisive call specifically to those he brings into the family of God. Because he foreknew, those he foreknew, he predestined. Those he predestined, he called. And those he called, he justified. He did it. We'll get to the call of justification in a second. It's my favorite part. But this call to the justified, we know it's not just a general call. Because God's plan is to call his children to himself, to call his family into his adoption. I got a little example of this this week. My wife and kids... Uh, My wife and kids and my sister and her kids who are here today. Hi, guys. They're in the same homeschool co-op. And earlier in the week, Scarlett sent a text to all the moms in the co-op calling them to a park in Franklin, Tennessee on Thursday morning. A general call that all who are willing may come. Right? But then she sent a specific text to my sister. And it was the family text. It was the family call. It was, hey, I'm going to be at Pinkerton Park. Be there with me as my family. Not everyone who got the general call came, but everyone who got the family call arrived, right? This is the call of God to those he foreknew and predestined to be adopted into his family and thereby transformed into his image. And now we get to talk about the really good part. It's all really good. The really good part. Those he foreknew, he predestined. Those he predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified. And this is the part of the timeline that we talk about the most. You've heard me preach justification in one form or another literally every Sunday that we've been together. Because justification is where God changes our legal standing before him from guilty to not guilty. Because of the sacrificial work of Jesus on the cross in our place, God Justifies us it's a legal action because remember we sinned against God in Genesis chapter 3 we distorted the image of the God of the universe that he had placed on us in love and because of that we stood rebellious and condemned we were condemned we were guilty of treason against that God facing punishment justice demanded restitution. At the end of our service, we're going to take the bread and the cup together, and we're going to remember that Jesus' sacrificial work on our behalf on the cross led him to stand condemned in our place. That's what justification is driven by. He faced God's judgment in our place to justify those who trust in him. So justification is where God legally changes our standing from enemy to family. From death to life, from loss to found, from against him to in him, from not his to his. Justification is what gives us the righteousness of Jesus and the perfection of Jesus and the goodness of Jesus and the access of Jesus. In Jesus, we get everything he is, right? And we get it immediately. So beautiful. We can never forget it. Being justified means we are viewed as perfect in Christ. Before God, but we can also never forget that we don't yet live as perfect before God. Right? We are both positionally perfect and practically imperfect. This is the Christian life. We are legally righteous, thank you, Jesus, and we also sometimes live unrighteous. Therefore, God is committed to changing us and conforming us into the beautiful image of Christ. And the last step of that journey is glorification. Someday, we will be in reality what we already are legally. Someday, whether it's us going to Jesus or Jesus returning to us, we will be functionally what we already are positionally. John 1, 1 John 1 3 says, We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. That means there's a difference between Christ inness and Christ likeness. It's really important. We've got to get on God's page. We get to get on God's page. Here's another quote I read from Paul David Tripp in that same devotional that was clearly helpful. Justification deals with the guilt of sin. And final glorification deals with the ultimate defeat of sin. But the presence of and the power of sin that remains in between, this is where we live. Justification. I am in Christ. Glorification. Someday sin will be dead. And right now there's a war every day. This is where we live. We live life in this sanctification season. This being conformed into the image of Christ. must be addressed or the work of grace will not be complete. And what this is, this means that we live in what so many theologians have called the already but not yet of the kingdom of heaven. Such a beautiful concept. As Christians, we are already positionally righteous forever. But not yet finally righteous. We know it. We feel it in our bones every day. We are already positionally pure forever but not yet ultimately pure. I have sin in me. Already whole but still being made whole. Already but not yet. That's sanctification. The Christian life on earth is one of being and becoming. If we're going to be on the amazing same page as God of being conformed into the image of Christ for which we were originally created and intended and satisfied we must be on board not only with the being but also with the becoming and this is where sanctification comes in a bible commentator that I read this week said that it's interesting that the word sanctification is not mentioned anywhere in this really important two verses not, the word's not mentioned He wrote, why is sanctification not mentioned in this verse? It's probably left out deliberately because, listen, because sanctification is the one area in which human cooperation is essential. There is no appeal anywhere to be called or justified or glorified, but there are numerous appeals to cooperate with God in the realization of the life of holiness. So sanctification Becoming like Jesus is something God and we do together. That's what we're going to see together throughout this series. I recently read a book uh, edited by John Piper called Acting the Miracle. God's work and our work in sanctification. Acting. What a paradox. This is it. Acting the miracle. The miracle that God wants to do in the lives of his children is he wants to conform us into the glorious beautiful powerful image of Jesus and in that we do play a part we're going to pursue that together in this series are we on the same page of God are we are we ready to not only be rescued but to be remade my family has lived what I think is a pretty powerful illustration of this if you're in Christ, I'm going to tell a story for a couple of minutes, and I want you to remember that this is your story. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is your story. So almost seven years ago, Scarlett and I adopted our amazing daughter, Joy, from China. And there was no foreknowledge in that story. We, didn't, we don't have foreknowledge. But there was a form of predestination, we predetermined to adopt a little girl with special needs from China. We knew God was leading us to a Chinese girl with special needs. And then we saw Joy's picture, and we said, that's her. That's her. And we called. We called her. Her needs were severe enough that we didn't have to be chosen we didn't have to wait in line we didn't wait our turn we could just choose her we said we want her she was predestined she was called and then she was justified her legal standing changed Scarlett spent months working to get paperwork to say she was no longer an orphan she was our daughter oil at the San Francisco airport, she became a U.S. citizen. Her standing changed, predetermined, called, justified, but she still had a lot of needs. And she gave me her blessing to share this with you guys. Thank you, beauty. Joy was born with no ears. She couldn't hear she had palate problems, kidney problems, lead poisoning. And because of all these problems, she was, had learning delays and motor skill deficiencies, pretty severe. And as her parents, we didn't just want to see her legal standing changed. We wanted to see her transformed. The little girl we met in Tianjin, China, was not the little girl God designed her to be. There was brokenness. And because of that, she's had to be uncomfortable. She's not had the easiest life. After being adopted into a family that loves her so much, she had five surgeries So that she could have ears, so that she could have a piece of metal attached to her skull to help her hear. She's been through speech therapy and physical therapy. She's cried so much. No more surgeries. But when we adopted her, we didn't just want her to be ours. We wanted her to be whole. We wanted her to be healthy. I can't believe how God has transformed our little girl. And church, that is your story. I know I've used a lot of theological words this morning. That is your story if you are in Christ. The one thing I've realized as I've walked with joy for these last seven years is that every salvation is a special needs adoption. It is. God both wants you and He wants to fix you. It's beautiful. And it's so humbling. When we come into God's family, we get to realize that we are positionally perfect forever. And we're still broken little kids. But God is our good father. We need surgery, we need therapy. We need help, we need growth, we need change. And our Father is willing. Those he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed into the image of Christ. He doesn't just want to adopt you, he wants to make you whole. But this means the Christian life is so beautiful and it's hard. Our position is set, justified. Word for a future event, glorified. It's as though we are already glorified in Christ, but in this short window of time, on that timeline, when we live as justified, but we're awaiting our eternal glory, God is changing us. He is forming us. Just last night, my wife said to me on my couch, I think this is something God wants to change in you. And it hurt my feelings. But it's also glorious because he will. I'm with you, Joy. Followers of Jesus get to live. Can we just, I want that to be our posture for the series. We get to live anticipating transformation into the image of Christ. It is not a burden to be a follower of Jesus. Can you imagine? if we were just left in our orphanage with no ears, couldn't walk, no one talking to us, like, God wants to take us to Vandy so we can have ears. God wants us to partner with him in being fashioned like unto Jesus. And I'm gonna ask God to give us the grace not just through these next six weeks, but through the rest of our lives to be on the same page with him. And We're going to pray now. And if there, is, if there is anything in your life, or just a posture of your heart that says, I want to be on the same page with the Lord, we would love to pray with you. We would love to pray. Members of our team would love to pray with you come come and let us pray with you let us be a people that pursues not just our position in Christ but for him to make us like him and father we thank you for jesus we thank you for his finished work of salvation we thank you for his ongoing work of making us like him we pr- god i pray that we would be joyful <laughs> joyful participants in our sanctification man we have to change I don't think, God, you know I've talked to you this week. I do not think about that enough. Thank you for wanting me to change. Thank you for making me in your image. Thank you for working to restore that image. And I pray that all of us would have that heart posture even as we go about this week. God, would you change us and make us new? Pray in the name of of Jesus. Amen. (laughs)